It'll be up on the screen, I think. Um, this is from 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. I invite you to pray with me. Father, uh, we thank you for your word, uh, your good and precious word. We thank you for challenging texts. I pray, God, that you open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what you have to speak to us today. I ask that you humble us, use Justin as your vessel to bring glory and honor to you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Patrice. You can be seated. And this, this is a challenging text this morning. It's, it's difficult. We're going to be in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Some theologians look at chapter 2, 1 through 12, the part that leads right into the text that we just read, as the, the threshold into the rest of the book. It's, it's a point that we must cross to fully understand the rest of the book. Greg said a few weeks ago, that we are to make sacrifices to God. Our life is a sacrificial offering to God. And without an understanding of that, we, we, and, and ultimately first and foremost, that's going to be a key, a key, then we won't understand what we're leading into today. It's, it's important that we understand our lives are a sacrifice. How many of you remember being a kid, you're on the playground, you do what you want, and someone gets upset, and they look at you, and they're like, well, you can't do that. And your response is, well, it's a free country, right? You've said that. Maybe you said that this last week. And maybe if you didn't actually verbalize it, it's something that we often think. It's something that we often say with our attitudes and actions Maybe we don't live as if it's a free country, I can do what I want, but we still live under a rule of life that says, I do what I want. No one has authority over me. No one can tell me what I am to do. The decisions I make only affect me. I can live however I want to. And what Peter is going to write to us in this text is, we first and foremost are submitted to Christ. And then secondly, we're submitted to the rest of humanity. We're submitted to each other. This is a very challenging text. I want to let you know out of the gates this morning because I think a lot of times we can get up here as pastors, as preachers, and we can kind of be seen as the resident expert in the sense of we have this all figured out. I want you to know that as I studied this week and as I prepared this text this week, 
I constantly wrestled with myself, but what about this situation? And what about this situation? And what about this? And what if this? And, and I constantly just wrestled. And, and I want to kind of reveal some of that to you today because I don't necessarily have all the answers. And I believe that this text is meant to, to move us and posture us in a sense where we actually do wrestle with this text. It's not easy. It's not cut and dry. It's not black and white. It's going to be a little bit gray. And it's going to be talking about how do we respond to those in authority over us, governing leaders, church leaders, people we work for, husbands and wives. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking, ultimately, the next four weeks is all about submission. Now, when you think about submission, the word that doesn't come to mind is freedom. But I want you to understand that today, the reason we are able to submit is because we are free. We can freely submit because we've been given freedom in Christ. That's what's key in this text. Now, more than maybe our illustration of, of how we've kind of illustrated an exile's guide to life, how to, how to navigate life when, when this really isn't our home. We, we belong to another home. We have citizenship in another kingdom. But yet we're, we're called to live in, in the here and now. And how do we respond? I, I want you to know that it's not necessarily just how do you live, but how do we live faithful to God? And that's what this text is going to present us with this morning. How do we navigate as strangers, aliens, holy nation? Should we just live under the kingdom of another nation or should we submit to this nation? If we've been set free to live, what are we set free to do? And so that's how I've kind of framed this message this morning is talking about as we submit to Christ, what does that free us to do here on this earth? Point one, we have freedom to obey. Freedom to obey. First Peter chapter 2, 13-14 says this, be subject, and we're going to see that word subject used over and over and over again here in the next few chapters, but be subject for the Lord's sake. And so why should we submit? Why should we put ourselves under the rule and reign of others? Why should we take our life and be under someone's authority? He says very clearly, for the Lord's sake. Who are we to submit to? To every human institution. Now, immediately, there are things that come to mind. They go, I don't, I don't think we should submit to that. I don't, I don't think that, that, that you know, in, in, in our world, in the, the, the country in which we live, that it would be godly to submit. But here he says, every human institution we are to submit to. I'm going to give you a caveat for that here in just a few minutes. But we're to submit to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme 
or to the governors is sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Ultimately, what Peter's saying here is we are to put ourselves under. It is an act of humility. It's an act of submission. Ultimately, we're submitted to God. We're submitted to Christ. But as we submit to God, we reveal our submission to God by putting ourselves under the authority of others. Now, this should convict us that as we obey the authority that God has instructed in our life, Romans 13.1 says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. So what is he, he's ultimately saying, there is no authority, I am of ultimate authority, there is no authority, so be subject to all government authorities. And those that exist have been instituted by God. God put them in place. So here's what I would say. We have the freedom to obey, which means today when you leave here and you get in your car and you drive down Foothill and you see that the speed limit is 45 miles an hour, to choose to go 45 miles an hour is an act of worship. Ouch. I'm convicted. All right? I I had to preach that over and over to myself. It's an act of worship because our obeying the authority that God has instituted in our country is a way of showing our submission and the authority of God that he plays in our life. We are to submit. We are to put ourselves under. Now, I think it's easy for all of us to rebel against that authority that's, that's placed. We all want to do what we want. Say it with me, because I, I want us to be honest today. I do what I want. I do what I want. That's us. We don't like people to tell us what to do. We don't like people to instruct us We don't like people to restrict us. And so if you're here today and and you're feeling like, I don't really want to do that, then I would say first off, you're human. Secondly, we're all sinful. And because of that, we rebel and we do what we want. But God has given us instruction that God has placed people over our lives to instruct, to guide, and even to restrict lawlessness. So some of us are here, and if there were no posted speed limit signs, then we would drive as fast as we possibly could, given our own wisdom However, however fast we think is safe, and it would be dangerous. And so there's a sense of we need some authority placed over us to, to kind of hem us in and restrict us so that our life isn't a living hell. Some of you, some of you, some of me, we experience hell on earth because of our refusal to obey authority. you're here, you've been placed in a church and God has ordained pastors and elders, 
And I, I want you to hear me say, even as I say this, there is a, a sense of responsibility because it, it tells us in this text that the role of government, the role of leadership is to do what? To punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. That is what it means to be faithful in authority, to praise those who do good and to punish those who do evil. Now, we, we live in a country where we hopefully... We, we pray and we seek and we beg of God that our leaders would be people who praise what is, what is good, who praise what is righteous, and turn from that which is evil. We hope and pray that our president would act in such a way that praises what is good and refrains from what is evil. And, and there is a responsibility. So we read this text and we say, well, there, there's a responsibility upon leaders in this text. And I, and I want you to know as someone who feels a sense of leadership and authority in our church as one of the elders, there is a sense of responsibility that we feel to shepherd the flock that God has given us. But you also have a responsibility to obey and to walk alongside as people who have committed and covenanted together to be a part of this local body of believers, to put yourself under the authority of godly leadership who is seeking the Spirit of God and, and, and wanting and, and pray, praying towards your development and transformation which means there are things that we call you to, there's things that we speak into your life that you may not like. And there's people that we're meeting with currently that are currently rebelling against authority and choosing to live however, and their life is a living hell. God has given us authority in life to give us wisdom and to submit our lives under their authority. How are you? <laughs> He's wanting to come visit. We have the freedom to obey. Well, some of us say, well, that sounds good and all when it's godly authority. But Peter doesn't let us off just with godly authority. He's going to go down and in verse in chapter 2, verse 18, he actually goes on, says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, but not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Which means we are, we are to put ourselves under the submission of ungodly people. That's hard. That's challenging. And we must ask, to what extent do we submit? To what extent do we put ourselves under the submission of unjust leaders? Well, we submit up until the point that obeying them causes us to obey God. You're, you're going to know this about the life of Peter. We, we, we get kind of this picture of Peter's journey of how he responded to authority. If you look back when Jesus was being taken in when he was arrested. Peter is there. The authority comes to arrest Jesus, and what does Peter do? Peter takes out his sword, and he goes, and he chops the guy's ear off. 
And Jesus is like, whoa, hold on a second, Peter. And he's calling him back. And we see like Peter begins to mature on how he responds to authority. But Peter is not one who just blindly obeys. When we talk about you're free to obey, it's not in a sense of just we obey and we don't consider what we're asked to obey. There was a point in Acts chapter 4 where Peter was told to be quiet about his faith. He was, he was told to quit proclaiming Jesus, which is a command we see in the Great Commission to go and preach and declare and to teach the nations about Jesus. And Peter's being faithful to that, and the religious leaders and rulers of that time pull Peter in and they ask him to be quiet. And Peter says at the end of chapter 4, he says, ask me what is right, to obey you and disobey God, to fear you rather than fearing God. And so there's a sense in which maybe because we're obedient to God, we we face suffering and persecution, but we're not to retaliate. We submit ourselves. We are free to obey. When I think about this, this sense of obedience, I, I think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you know much about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Dietrich uh, basically led a retaliation against Adolf Hitler's regime, ultimately planning an assassination attempt against Adolf Hitler. And we ask ourselves, like, how is that submission to authority? And honestly, I wrestled with that this week. And I've read a lot about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but I just hadn't, didn't have a clear answer. How did Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's someone who knew the Word of God, how did he respond to Romans 13, which is basically fairly identical to 1 Peter chapter 2? How did he respond to Romans 13? How did he respond to 1 Peter chapter 2? How did... His response to go and assassinate Adolf Hitler fit within this text. And that's what I wrestled with. That was one of the questions I had of going, well, what about? And so I read, and I, and I combed through multiple things. And I want you to know that even Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrestled with these texts in trying to discover how he was going to respond is it honorable? Is it respectful? Is it a sign of submission to authority that he would go and try to assassinate Adolf Hitler? And, and that's what he had to wrestle with. And in very clear language, he began to spell out. He confided in a friend, and he, he shared with this friend about wrestling with that decision. And ultimately, he came to a point that even if it was sinful, he was still going to do it. He was that convinced that this was what he was going to do. Even if it condemned him to hell for the rest of his life, he felt like he needed to stand up for what was right. It was a wrestle. And I don't feel like it's black and white. I feel like there's other people, William Wilberforce, who, uh, who began to fight against slavery. We see that he took no violent act, but yet set numerous people free. 
And, and so each situation requires a, a posturing of humility, a posturing of coming before the Lord and going, how should we respond? Is it honoring? Is it submissive? Is it respectful? That's what we have to wrestle with when we wrestle in this text. But we have the freedom to obey because ultimately it's a sign of submission to the Lord. Now, I would tell you Bonhoeffer took a, an approach to this text that uh, many theologians today, as I read, they say, do not take. And I want to I present that. Because Bonhoeffer reads this and says, not only he, reading 1 Peter chapter 2, Bonhoeffer read 1 Peter chapter 2 and said, not only the, is this a calling to repentance for the church, this should be a calling to repentance for the state, for government, to be the type of leadership that should be respected. And I absolutely believe that. But we need to be mindful of what Peter's talking about. Peter is not talking about, and his, and his convincing argument is not one towards government. He's speaking to the church. And I think we need to keep within the framework that, that Peter's given us and not go out of bounds just for the sake of comfortability. It's easy for us today to stand up and say, government should be this, and government should do this, when in reality, this is written to the church, and the church has a response. The church is called to submit themselves. It's challenging. It's hard. This text is not written to the government. It's written to us. So we have a call to respond. The second thing is this, freedom to do good. We read in verse 13, 14, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor. We're going to talk about who the emperor was because maybe you're here today and you're like, well, obviously Peter didn't live under Joe Biden's regime. No, it was much worse, actually. We'll talk about that. And I'm not comparing Joe Biden to Nero, all right? This is not meant to be political. You can make whatever reference you want, though. It says government is sent to, to punish those who do evil, to praise those who do good, 2.15, but this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You're to do good. Here's what this text doesn't tell us. It says, in your submission to government, go and hide out and do nothing, but to do good, to work for the common good of people, to work, we're not to pull away into this siloed community of people that are disengaged from the world. We honor God and we honor and respect our, our country, our leadership by using and utilizing the tools and gifting that God the Father has given each of us to do as much good as we possibly can in the world to do good, which means the areas in which you feel like the government falls short, you don't stand off and be like the, what do you call it, the, the couch quarterback, is that the phrase, where, where you're like standing out and you're, you're hollering out all the things that someone else should be doing. This text calls us to action. If there's things in which you feel like the government falls short, this is a call to go and be proactive. We, we live
live in a democracy, which means you have a voice, which means you can institute change, which means you have the freedom to do good. You have the freedom to bring about a place where people experience the rule and reign of Christ. You have the the freedom to go about your neighborhood and share the good news of Jesus and see people's lives changed and transformed. Just when we submit, it doesn't mean to be silent. We are to do good. We have a responsibility to do good. And it says that our doing good is actually an apologetic for the reality of who Jesus is. When you do good in the world, that people see your good deeds and honor your Father in heaven. We, we talked about this last week. The word to shine as lights. It's a, a picture of our marvelous light, God's marvelous light going out to the world. And so your obedience to and your submitting to authority and your doing good in the midst of a world that's gone to hell is, a, is a, an apologetic for the gospel. It says that there are people who are in ignorance. They're, they're foolish people. And we remember back, we talked about this last week, in chapter 1, verse 14, it says, you lived in the former passions of your ignorance. What is this ignorance? It's ignorance. Ignorance in the world is living as if there is no God. And so your submission to authority actually tells the world that there is a God. Your submission to the authority that God has placed and instituted in this world shows that we are ultimately submitted to a higher authority, God the Father. It's an apologetic towards the gospel. R.C. Sproul says this, every time we do not submit to the rules that plague us all, we are casting our vote with lawlessness. Imagine that. Every time... That, that we are not submitted to the rules and the regulation and the authority that God has placed on this earth, we are casting our vote for lawlessness. But every time we go out of our way to submit, we bear witness to the one whose law stands above every other law. Your submission to authority is a picture of your ultimate submission to God the Father. Third thing is this. You have the freedom to serve. He tells us the whole purpose in this is not to be served, but to serve. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, live as people who are free. It's interesting. In the midst of the chapter talking about submission, he tells us right here, live as people who are free Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Let me ask you a question first and foremost. How do you use your freedoms as a way for evil? How, How has your freedom in Christ, what Christ has died, what Christ has bought for you, how have you utilized that freedom to engage in evil? We're to use it as living as servants of God. God the Father has freed us up to serve, to serve. Service is an ultimate act of humility. 
And we're like, we, it's a calling to humble ourselves before the authority God has placed and instituted in this world. Humility requires a posturing of our heart that recognizes that every authority that exists on this earth is just as sinful as I am. So when you look at a leader and you're like, I can't submit to him because of A, B, and C, recognize that A, B, and C is true about you as well. That all of the reasons in which you feel like you can't submit to that person because of whatever sinfulness exists in them is an, is an opportunity for you to recognize your own heart, your own sinfulness, your own depravity before God, and recognizing that none of us are perfect. When I, when I think, side box, side, side note here, when I think about like fallen leaders within the church, I, I, I honestly think that there comes a point where, and, and hopefully you guys know this, and if we've fooled you, um, it, here, we're letting it out right here, um, your pastors aren't perfect. Yeah. When the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that means pastors also. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Which means anytime we posture ourselves to show any sense of perfectionism, anytime we, we stand before you and try to, try to show you and reveal, we are brokenly trying to show you what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, and we've been built into this culture where, one, Pastors have sometimes believed they're perfect, and their congregations have believed they're perfect. And what that ultimately leads to is a bunch of people hiding, a bunch of people covering up sin, a bunch of people neglecting to actually believe the gospel. Because if I'm a pastor and I believe the gospel, it means that there is forgiveness and grace and the kindness of the Father for me in my sin, and it's same for you. And, and we are to come to a place of humility. We are to come to a place where we all recognize our need for Jesus. We all recognize that, and so we should pray for that, and we should ask for that, and we should pray that over our government leaders, over those in our authority, that they are brokenly trying to serve and, and be obedient to punishing those who do evil and being faithful and rewarding those who do good. And they're brokenly trying to, to serve in that way. So all that to say, it's, it's our responsibility to come to a place of humility so that we're free to serve. I'll illustrate it like this. The, the church that we left to, uh, to come here to plant this church uh, was a church in Wichita Falls, Texas. And after being there two years, in like 2004, I had kind of moved to a place where I was like, this church doesn't understand anything about mission. I don't even know if they're like following the Bible and so many, you know, and, and there were so many questions. And I was like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to do what I want. And so I moved to Kansas City, Missouri to plant a church. 
And in six months, I realized I didn't know anything. It took me six months. Some of you are much quicker. But in six months, I realized there's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things that I I recognize that it's much harder than I thought. It's much more difficult to live this out than I thought. And what that did is it moved me to a place of humility. And I said, if I'm ever going to be a great leader, I need to have great leaders. And if I'm ever, ever going to be a great leader, I need to be a great follower. And so I called that church back up, the church I left. And I said, hey, can I come back? And they're like, well, Justin, uh, you know, we, we hired out your position. And it's like, that's fine. I'll come back. I'll work for free. And I went back and I served there. I ended up earning my job back and serving there for the last 10 years before we moved here. But I had to go and there was a sense of humility of recognizing that I was put on this earth not to just be this person in authority, but a person to serve, to humble myself, to learn what it means to be a good follower. Some of us need a lesson in what it means to be a good follower. I love the people that come to us, that they walk in this door when they first come to our church and they they walk in and they say, hey, I'm not buying for a position here. I'm not trying to get up on stage. I want to know, how can I serve? And maybe that means me starting by picking up chairs or picking up trash or cleaning up this bathroom or cleaning toilets or whatever it is, but I'm coming and I'm willing to serve because that's the, the posture that they're, they're willing to take because they, they recognize it's a posture of humility. Not to be served, but to serve. And that's what Peter calls us to, that this is the will of God, that you would come, that you would live as people who are free, not using your freedom as cover up for evil, not as a, a way to do whatever you want, but as a way to commit your life as a servant of the Lord. Martin Luther said this, a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. That's where our freedom is. Oh, it's so good. He also goes on and he says, a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. That's how we live. Fourth thing is this, we have the freedom to honor in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. What a great, like, these four little steps. And there is some progression here. One, everyone. Honor everyone. You got to wrestle what the word honor means for you. What does it mean to honor? How do you honor the people in government leadership? How do you honor those in authority. Kids, how do you honor your parents so that it will go well for you? How do you honor those? Love the brotherhood. There's a, we're to honor everyone, but there's a special relationship with those in the body of Christ. There's a special relationship for those even gathered here in this room, our love for one another. Fear God, not fear man. Honor the emperor. Now, When we think about this, we we think about the emperor, and and I told you, 
we look at this and Peter's like, well, obviously he didn't know, you know, who we were going to be called to submit to. Who Peter is called to submit to is the emperor Nero. If you know anything about church history, Nero basically blamed all the Christians for the burning of Rome. Nero was a violent, violent person, persecutor of Christians, and this is who Peter is calling people to submit to. Nero, when he was 17 years old, talking about authority, he got sick and tired of his mom telling him what to do and how to rule, that he had her sent off and murdered. This is the person that, that Peter calls us to honor. It's so hard. It's so difficult. We read about this and, and we think about like, how in the world am I to submit to that guy? Why would Peter call us to submit to people that hate Christians? Why would Peter call us to, to submit our lives and honor people who are persecuting of Christians. And I don't know that I need to spell it out any more than that. Like, guys, this is what we are called to wrestle with. And it's difficult. And the world doesn't model this for us. And most of the church world doesn't model this for us. And so I pray that we would be a church that models this. That would be a church that respects authority, that submits authority, that honors authority. And I read this this week, and I don't know where I read it, so credit to whoever credit is due here, but I, I read this and it's so key. When we offer our submission, we are not showing a sign of weakness, but showing our steadfast commitment to the king. Your sign of submission to those in authority is not a sign of weakness. How do we know that? Because Jesus submitted to this authority. It's not, a, it's not a showing a sign of weakness, but showing our steadfast commitment to the king. In chapter 2, verse 21, which we're going to get to next week, it says this, For to this you have been called. Why? Because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Christ is our ultimate example of what it means to submit. So I'd ask you this morning in way of response, what are the areas that you need to repent of this morning where, where you lack submission to authority? What are the areas in, in your life currently where, where you've been unwilling to submit to authority? What does your unwillingness to submit to authority reveal about your heart? Your lack of humility, your lack of submission to Jesus. What does your, your willingness or unwillingness to submit to authority show about God's authority over your life? As much as maybe we don't like it, God has given us his word. God has given us his church. God has given us this people that we would submit our lives. And one of the very first acts of coming to Jesus is an act of submission, is an act of coming before him, 
laying our life, putting our life in subjection under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I think that we look at this and we see the maturity of Peter where Peter responds emotionally and goes and hacks off a guy's ear. And now he's saying, honor someone like Nero. And I'm praying and asking that God would do that type of maturity in our own lives, that we're all in need of that transformation. Is that our, is that our posture? Is that our posture that we would, we would move to a place where we wouldn't react emotionally, where we wouldn't react violently, but we would react as, as Christ reacted, as people who suffer unjustly? as people who are submitted to the ultimate authority of God? Is that our authority? Is that our our posture this morning? And so I want to pray for us, and I want to pray that God would give us the wisdom by His Spirit to act out in in a way that is in obedience to this text. We're called to obey. This text is hard to obey. So we need the Spirit's help, and the Spirit is willing. Let's pray this morning. Father, we pray and ask that you would give us wisdom. We pray and ask that that you would give us insight into how we are to respond. Are we showing respect? Are we living in a way that is honorable? Are we working for the good as an apologetic for the gospel? Are we living our lives in submission to your authority? Or are we continuing to do whatever we want? Lord, I pray that all of us would come this morning to a place of recognizing your authority over our lives, that we would come and willingly, as you laid down your life for us, we would come and lay down our life for you. That we would give you our life in submission as a sacrifice, willingly submitting all things to you to direct, to guide, to institute rules over our life because we know that in that comes true and lasting freedom. And Lord, we want to be free. We want to live as free people. So we recognize that freedom only comes through submission in Jesus Christ. So we submit to you this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.